Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Live on location from Moonshine's patio and bar. I'm here. See you on the other side. Me, Wendy, during South by Southwest. And we are joined by an Austin haunted history expert, a tour guide and paranormal researcher, Monica Ballard. Monica, how are you doing today? I'm doing cr- terrific. I, I, I'm so thrilled to finally connect with you guys and do something here during South by Interactive. Thank you. Yeah. We're thrilled to be connected with you too and to finally talk to another of the Austin experts. We've been to Austin so many times and we love haunted stuff, of course. <laughs> so this is this is our chance to like yeah. really find out the down and dirty yes, the, secrets. The na- We've seen a lot of the nasty parts of Austin, and, but it, not, enough, not enough of the nasty paranormal parts of oh. Austin. Yes. There we go. The the haunted underbelly, yes. as it were. That's the, the 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 dark undercurrent in Austin. Okay, so let's get just a little bit about you, so uh, people can know how you became so weird yourself. Okay, uh, I came to Austin 20 years ago, 2000 and uh, 2001, and joined Austin Ghost Tours really part time in 2006. They needed extra help around Halloween. And uh, it was funny, the week before I started giving tours, the guy who trained me shared with me a photo of him talking on a patio or a porch of a building and in the window of that building, which was closed at night, was a full-bodied apparition listening in on the stories. Awesome. And at that point I thought, oh, it's an interactive tour. Oh, okay. And from then on, I realized how important telling the truth about these yeah. former citizens of our city was. Now, have you have you always been into ghost stories, or is that something like did you grow up in a haunted house, or did you have an imaginary friend who turned out to be not so imaginary? It's not just not just everybody responds to an ad looking for a, a haunted <laughs> tour guide. You know, it's not the average. Well, let show. me put it this way: my husband and I never said till death do us part. So when he passed in 2003, there was immediate activity wow. uh, as he fumbled, and I, I, I say that with love, sweetie, <laughs> I do. He fumbled his way from this dimension into progressive dimensions after that. He had a tendency to break things, usually electrical, but then he would fix them the next day. Uh, to this day, even yesterday, uh, my TV goes on by itself. And that's usually him checking in and saying, hi, hi. Sure. Yeah. And does it any particular show that when it's on that he likes to turn it on himself? Is he a, like, he's like, oh, God, I'm going <laughs> to see that NASCAR. I'm dead, but I love NASCAR. It's, it's funny. I, I will usually comment on the show, like, Charlie's Angels, really? Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so you are someone who has had paranormal experiences in your own life even before you joined the Austin Ghost Tours team. Yes, yes. So I could speak from personal experience, like, hey, you know that thing that they usually have on TV with a ghost getting up in your face and yelling, get out. That's not how it is. (laughs) That's not what happens. Nine times out of 10, when the paranormal happens to you, wouldn't you agree? It is not something frightening. 
Right. It's, it tends to be interesting where you go, oh, and then it's only when your logical mind tries to figure it out, you go, ooh. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> mundane, I find. Sometimes yeah. you just be like, huh, that was weird. Wait. That was like, weird. Like, right? like I just touched something, you know, from the other side and I just like, how did that happen? You know, and it, was, yeah. it, it felt normal. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's only in hindsight that, you know, your mind gets blown a little bit. Exactly. And so, all right. So you said that um, you think that the Austin ghost tours that you guys run have the most interactivity or paranormal activity associated with them because you're not afraid to tell the brutal truth. So what's the, what's the philosophy behind uh, your ghost tour? A lot of research, a lot of hours in the Austin History Center, uh, pouring through city directories. Okay, that's the building today. What was it 10 years before that and 10 years before that? And what was the land before that? Going back and back and back as far as you can. Did the address change? Did who, who, not only who died there, but who was passionate about the building? Uh, there, there are so many locations like that and there are times when when we get it wrong the spirits themselves will find a way to put the put the truth in our hands mm -hmm. yeah. in the most interesting ways possible there, there was one story about one of the brides at the Driscoll that we had been telling wrong for 10 years okay and so you're talking about the Driscoll Hotel yes and so what let, what was the, the story, you want to sum it up real quick, what was the story that you guys were getting wrong? We were telling the story that Suicide Bride number two, and when I say two, that would imply There's a, there was more one. than one. Yes, so <laughs> Suicide Bride number two uh, was a socialite in Houston who had her big day called off, and she drove to Austin in her fiance's little red sports car and prepaid for a four-night stay at the fanciest digs in town went out on a shopping spree the next day, a $20,000 shopping spree, on his credit cards, returned with everything, only got out one new item, her brand new shiny revolver, put the do not disturb sign on the door, took a feather pillow from the bed, faced herself in the bathroom mirror and shot herself in the stomach. She yeah. bled out in the bathtub. In, so it was in the stomach too? In the stomach. So not even like a quick way to go. No, it's a vanity thing. Oh, because... Women, women tend to do the stomach because, yeah. Sure, okay, okay, yeah. all right, I can see that. Right, yeah. of course, because you still want to look good in the um, <laughs> in the, in the afterlife. <laughs> yeah. So uh, after that, her full-bodied full apparition had been seen wandering the hotel, a lot of times with shopping bags, stopping in front of her old room, uh, which, by the way, at the time was 427, and there were so many stories going around about 427 that the hotel thought, oh, you know what, we'll just change the room number to 429. Doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the story we were telling for about 10 years, and you find it all over online and in books and stuff. And then, one Halloween season, it was my job to stand in the lobby of the Driscoll and tell stories over and over. People led groups to me, and I told stories, and then the group went on to en encounter other storytellers. Sure, sure. Night before Halloween, I finished my shift, got a drink from the bar, sat in the lobby, finished the drink, and sat there and sat there, just kind of zoned out. And at some point, something said, now, leave now. And so I got up, and I literally ran into a woman who saw my name badge, and she said, Oh, I keep meaning to take a ghost tour whenever I'm in town. How often are you in town? Well, I come for all the UT home games. 
And I always stay here at the Driscoll. The staff knows me, the ghosts know me, Tara, Samantha. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, That's I gotta the, the record scratch. Okay, so yeah. first of all, you, when you heard the leave now, did it sound like a voice that you actually heard or was it like a feeling? No, it was like, like a, a feeling. Just, okay. It was like a feeling that said, you know, and I, I just chalked it up to, yeah, you know, tomorrow's, <laughs> tomorrow's Halloween, I better get some rest. It's gonna be a big day. And then, boom, ran into this woman. So it actually, to, to go back a second, it actually was a ghost telling you to get out. <laughs> so it does happen. All right, okay. But nicely. Right. Hospitably. So um, she mentioned Samantha. And I said, whoa, 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 who's Samantha? And she, because only four people in my circle of friends knew that I had captured a whispered voice like the previous March in the women's bathroom in the middle of a Saturday afternoon. Felt somebody was in there with me and I got my recorder out. I said, who's here with me? Samantha. Ooh. Oh, wow, okay. And I said, who's Samantha? And she said, well, that's what the staff calls the Senator's daughter because they had to name her something. I said, okay, who's Tara? She said, that's the suicide bride. I said, oh, the one from the 1950s on the fifth floor or the one from 1989? <laughs> I was just so I was just so proud of myself. You know, I can just, right, you just have these have these facts and figures. And she said, "Oh no, actually it was 1991." I said, "How do you know that?" And she said, "Well, I have a copy of the police report." Hey, would you guys at Austin Ghost Tours like a copy of that police report? That's nuts. I know. <laughs> Eureka! <laughs> and I said, "Who are you?" Because in about 30 minutes, you and I are going to be best buds. <laughs> And her best friend in Austin worked for the Austin Police Department in the Forensics wow, Department. Wow, what a great resource. And she said, hey, you always say at the Driscoll, you want me to find out about some of the nefarious things that go on there? And she found the police report for the suicide. And, the, and her real story, this woman's real story was much more tragic than this urban legend that we've been telling. She found the most interesting way to hand us the truth. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a that I mean, that's an awesome story. Yeah. And, and so it's funny though that that woman tells you like I always been meaning to take one, you know. Yeah. So did you at least give her a free tour? Oh, You're like, "All been, right, fine. Oh, we'll get you 10% off." She has been a, a huge resource and in fact her friend from the police department became one of our backup tour guides. Oh, so That's perfect. <laughs> so it was it was tremendous. That's pretty awesome. And, and uh, that's the Driscoll Hotel. And we'll have some pictures and links in the show notes there. You'll be able to find that at othersidepodcast.com slash 239. Now, Monica, we are here inside uh, the Moonshine. Yes. And tell us a little bit about this building. Because you picked, like, you guys start the Austin Ghost Tour here, right? On Saturday nights, yes. This is our point of origin for uh, Austin Ghost Tours. And it's, uh, the building is one of the older buildings in the city of Austin. Dates back to 1854. Uh, the land was purchased by Henry Hoffheins, and really the little, little Henry Hoffheins. Henry I love Hoffheins. Henry Henry Hoffheins. What the great name! <laughs> and the little yellow house that you see right here—that was actually the first building on the property, oh, and okay. it was where nice paint job. It looks new. Yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't look that old. Well, they've kept it up, and um, it's—it uh, was where they kept the the feed for the mules because mules were his livelihood. He ran an import-export business going to and from Mexico. And back then when animals were your transportation, ooh, they got the best accommodations, yeah, right? right? Now when he got married, uh, like 
a year or two years later, Mrs. Hoffines was not too keen on the whole, hey, honey, we're going to live in a tent out in front of the mule stable idea. <laughs> she also didn't like his line of work and insisted that he go into the saloon keeping business. That's when they built the main structure there. And so the first part where the bar is today, that was Henry's saloon. And then the back part where the restaurant is was Mrs. Hoffine's Mercantile, the grocery store. And then the family lived upstairs, but they owned the whole block. One-stop shopping, too. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, and that's the first time in history that the wife encourages the husband to go into the bar business. Like, <laughs> well, it would be a great idea, open on a bar. Here's what's interesting. She was a teetotaler. But she knew where the money was. Business. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was, she was, she was pretty smart. But they were a German-Texan family, and so beer, having a beer garden was very important to the socializing of so the community. So, what era are we talking about here? Like, what, like, what decade or 1850s what time? 1850s was when the the property was established, and they owned the whole block and added buildings on around the block. Uh, Henry died in 1880. Uh, Christina, his wife, died in about 1869 or so. She died in the house, uh, his wife. And then um, their children moved into the little yellow house next door, which is often called the wedding house, because they built it on the occasion of her marriage to keep them on the property sure. so that they could work in the business and all that. They both lived and worked and died there. Uh, their son, who married, also lived on the property, lived and worked and died there. Uh, the Sunday house right here is called a Sunday house. And if you go into the German uh, areas of central Texas, New Braunfels and Fredericksburg and places like that, you find a lot of Sunday houses. Sunday houses were common because people would come from the outlying areas to come to the big city uh, on Saturdays to do their trading. And then they would stay overnight in the Sunday house so that they could attend church the following day before heading back to their farms and ranches. Uh, this is the last remaining Sunday house in the city of Austin. Oh, okay, very cool. And the, the, the plot of land here, the, the family plot of land, is one of three remaining German Texan compounds left in the city of Austin. Nice, okay, so this is a, this is a place with a lot of history. Absolutely. And, it, and so it's been a bar or a saloon kind of deal or a restaurant. for 160 years. Oh yeah, yeah, easily, easily. Wow. And that explains why they make such delicious drinks. <laughs> yeah, Stay say. away from the actual drink called moonshine. Oh. If you have one, they'll, they will cut you off at two and a half. It's kind of like, nope, you've had enough. Because right, <laughs> no it'll, it'll, it'll sneak up on you, absolutely. Yeah, no, I understand. Last time I actually like, <laughs> think there was a party where somebody had moonshine, like, you wanna try something? I had a bunch, and then like, no, like, my eyes were going different directions and stuff. Like, it was a rough one. So some of the activity here seems to be very childlike. Whatever is here seems to have reactions of not being paid attention to enough uh, or, or wanting attention or, hello, hey, you're not paying attention to me. Uh, for instance, there was one time when Dennis Foley, our audio engineer for investigations, he and I were out here in this spot talking about another location. And suddenly we heard a gigantic crash from this direction. And we were like, there's nothing in that direction that can go crash. And then we started talking about the ghosts at this property and things seemed to settle down after that. It was kind of like, no, no, no. You're only allowed you're to talk here. about spirits here. <laughs> oh, so, wow. Okay. I want to be the one you're talking so, about. Okay, so you guys, in addition to running the tours, you also have an investigative component. Yes, yes, we do. Okay. And we've investigated at uh, various places around the state of Texas. We had a a TV show called Haunted Texas, 
oh, cool. where we would and we would talk about the history. It would be a heavy emphasis once again on history. Right, you wouldn't just go walk into a place and be right. like, "Come at me, ghost." Yeah, exactly. Or try to trap them, or yeah, through various and sundry means. Uh, just really. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, TV is a wonderland. Hollywood, full of BS. yes. Um, but we've we've gone to places like Goliad and uh, um, uh, the Alamo and uh, it, it freed slaves colonies and things and the like that. Hotel, the, I did the Magnolia on my own, pretty much, but uh, collected the evidence there and uh, found it very very interesting. And yeah, I I, I love steeping into history and any place that we go, we're very we're very interested in looking up the history of the property. Well, I have a question since we're here. Sure. What is the most compelling evidence that you yourself found here at this location at the Moonshine Cafe or Patio Cafe? I had a, an interesting personal experience here. I arrived one summer evening for the tours and arrived there on the corner. I was setting all my stuff up and they had the Muzak set on classic rock. And the song was Born to be Wild. And there were like three ladies on the patio and there, was n there were no pedestrians around me whatsoever. And right in this ear, I heard a gravelly voice sing along with, I never want to die. And I thought it was, oh, I thought it was right. someone showing up for the tour. Yeah. And so I grabbed my list and I said, hey, you here for the ghost tour? And looked around, and I immediately went into investigator mode. It's kind of like, okay, hang on. Get the meters out. Three women there, no pedestrians around me, and it really wasn't until it came back around in the song again that I realized what it was that they were singing to me. I never want to die. <laughs> okay. Apparently not. <laughs> so uh, the staff often tells us uh, uh, quite a number of stories about how the cleaning crew quit because they showed up to clean up the stable bar right here, which was the original carriage house. And there was a gentleman sitting at the bar enjoying a, a, a refreshing adult beverage. Mike, um, were you, did you see me? <laughs> Sometimes and, I can't resist. And they said, you can't be here. We're going to call the police. And they, in moving past him, they could realize they could partially see through him. So they called George, the general manager, and said, instead and said, you find another crew. We quit, we quit. And they, they left. Uh, so George had to find another crew. George tells me that oftentimes when he opens up the place, uh, the wine bottles that are supposed to sit horizontally behind the bar will be taken out and sitting on the floor horizontally. Ooh, my uh, kind of ghost. I was going to say. And the, the staff was setting up, wrapping up silverware and napkins, uh, preparing for Sunday brunch. And they were doing that in the Sunday house right here. And they were filling the bins with the silverware. And they thought, okay, one more drink. And then we'll come back and we'll do the rest of the setup for um, for Sunday brunch. And when they came back to the Sunday house, all the chairs that they had been sitting in were now sitting. They they were arranged in a circle in oh, the center no. of the Sunday house. Oh, and they were like, No, 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 no. Yeah, I think we're done. Okay, I, we'll just leave. We'll just text someone. Hey, you can find the silverware in the Sunday house. Yeah, send. Yes. And they uh, wow. they locked up the place and called well, it a night. That's great. And and so over the years, so it's continually been a restaurant or a establishment something like that it never there was never a point where it was like a like a slaughterhouse or anything like that no around. no it was always a beer garden restaurant store that kind of thing when i first moved to austin in 2001 it was a fancy five-star french restaurant with the waiters wearing the gloves and the crumb catchers and the whole nine yards like that 
And then when the new owners took it over, they decided to make it into a little bit more rustic sort of appeal. And they thought, you know what? Mrs. Hoffines ran her mercantile and people would come to us with stories all the time about buying the penny candy at the mercantile. And you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna create a drink in honor of Mrs. Hoffines. We're gonna steep some cherries in brandy and we're gonna create a dessert. Like, so they, on the bar, and this is while they were still like close to opening the new moonshines. And they had the big jar sitting on the bar and the owner tells me that he was... <laughs> Train's here! That's the ghost train. <laughs> the owner tells me that he was... Uh, that he stood up to say something to the bartender and he saw the jar of cherries moving down the bar very, very slowly. And he was like, Joel, Joel, Joel! And just then the, the jar went flying and the, and the brandy and the cherries smashed everywhere. And they said... All right, you know what? We won't have that drink. Okay. Right, because we, you we were naming it after it. a teetotaler. Yes. And yeah. she's like, hey, you know, no, I'm on I'm my fifth step. I'm not on board with this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. So, um, yeah, you guys kick it off here. Where are some other locations that you guys visit in downtown Austin? Uh, so people who might be interested in coming to visit. Of course, if you guys come to visit Austin, you have to go on the Austin Ghost Tour. Um, once you're done with this podcast... <laughs> I recommend getting <laughs> yes. on a plane. Your flight. It's first beautiful here, first. by the way. It's about, what, 75 degrees? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Wonderful, yeah. beautiful day. It's, it's 80 right it's now. It's 80. Oh, barbecue. Yay. <laughs> we reached the, the appointed forecast high wow. of 80. That's great. So we recommend, of course, going to the Austin Ghost Tour. Um, but, you know, you're kicking off here. Um, where, where are some of the other, your favorite places in Austin for to visit? Buffalo Billiards, certainly, and you guys have visited there in a previous podcast. Um, very interesting spot. We generally talk about it from across the street. Pub crawls will actually go inside and upstairs if we can get on up there. Uh, the Driscoll Hotel, of course, is the crown jewel of, of Austin Ghost Tours and uh, shameless plug for my book, True Haunted Tales of the Driscoll Hotel. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes as awesome. well so you can pick Thank up a so copy. Much. We're looking forward to reading it, checking it out. <laughs> Which now, we're going to do right after this podcast. Oh, we're great. We're turning everything off. We're it's, forgetting yeah. the rest of South by South. And I'm going to read you the book. You the book. Uh, so. <laughs> it's a live audible. Awesome. Uh, interestingly, though, if you go into the Driscoll and you ask about the ghosts and it's daytime, they will tell you, no, 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 we're not haunted. Because they're owned by the Hyatt chain now. Oh. This is their first historic property, and they really don't know what to make of ghosts. So they're, they're kind of like, oh, no, 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 we're not haunted. <laughs> the night staff is a little bit more tolerant of people asking about their ghosts. But last year, I actually ran into someone on the light rail going home, and he kind of chuckled when he saw my name badge, and he said, hey, uh, just how haunted is the Driscoll Hotel? And I reached out and got my book out, and I said, haunted enough for me to write a whole book about the place? Why do you ask? And he said, well, I'm a roofer, and I got called in to place a bid on some roofing work they needed done. And they said the most curious thing while we were talking. They said, just so you know, if you take the gig, stuff might happen. <laughs> and I said, oh, please tell me they expounded on stuff. Right, 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 right. And they said, uh, yeah, you, your tools might move around or disappear. You might see children in period clothing. There might be a gentleman smoking a cigar. You might smell cigar smoke. You might smell roses. You know, stuff. stuff. Oh, man. 
So yeah, I gave him a I gave him a book in my cart and I said, Sir, if you take the gig and stuff happens, you're going to call me, right? Addendum to the book coming soon. (laughs) Second edition. Volume two, yeah. Uh, where else? Oh, the uh, Texas State Capitol, uh, various government buildings. Uh, on 10th Street, there is the site of Austin's first surgical suite, which usually gives us uh, some interesting evidence, even standing outside. Now, a lot of, peop- a lot of people are disappointed. It's like, oh, are we going in? Are we going in? And unfortunately, if we have a crowd of more than 10, we can't even get into the Driscoll anymore. Sure because uh, of the Hyatt's concierge policies and stuff like that. But uh, even standing outside, we have found that just telling the stories about these places has them skirting around. They come around. It's like the cocktail party effect on the other side. (laughs) Haven't you found that to be true? Um, Well, um, so uh, I uh, work on the Madison Ghost Tour, and I haven't been a tour guide in a while. So (laughs) I mostly just do the writing and stuff now. But the... uh, I have not had any experience on a ghost tour yet, at least one that I was running. So that's why when I see people have experience, now at Wendy in Waukesha, did the ghost ever come up and like grab your skirt or something? Well, no, not a ghost specifically, but several of the times while I was while we were walking down the street, you know, we'd have the effect where the street lights oh, which would like, shut off, off right <laughs> as we're walking past, and it was usually you know, there's a there's a, a UFO story that I tell, and so. Oftentimes it would be around when I was telling uh, that story, so a lot of times the people in the group would notice it. It's like, okay. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, yeah. here's an interesting I didn't ex- even know about that. Here's an yeah. interesting experience I've done with the shack hack before. Is that. Uh, Wait, what's the shack hack? Is a that shack like hack a really tall basketball player a, shows up that, and like. Shack hack is a radio shack. It's like a ghost box. That's it's right. a radio okay. shack radio where the scan and seek button has been disabled and spirits can utilize the white noise in order to oh. answer questions directly. The SB7, yes. Yeah. The SB7. So uh, what, I've, what I've done occasionally, and it's been really interesting doing this, is that I will, uh, I will ask, name someone on my tour tomorrow night or later on tonight or something like that, and a name will pop out. And a lot of times when people make a reservation, it's not, it, it's, they'll make it for four or something like that. Yeah. So I'll scan the list and I'm like, no, there's not a, there's not a Jose on the list, you know, or something like, so I'll go, uh, okay, well, I'll bring it up. And then I'll start the tour and I'll say, just so you know, I asked who's going to be on the tour, tell me something about someone on the tour. And this is the response I got. And like I've done this four times and all four times there's been someone on the tour where it was kind of like I'm Jose it's like actually my name is Joe but everybody calls me Jose I said well they know that right they, they asked they that. asked for you by name Jose, <laughs> exactly. so be on your best behavior because they, so they right, know you right out of the gate it's kind of like there's this essence of believability it's yeah. like I had no way of knowing you were on the tour tonight or that, you're, that your friends called you Jose right but my ghostly friends knew. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I love that too, and that's a that's a fun way. And that's one of the you know, it sounds like I mean Austin we know is a fun city and we love it. But it sounds like the tour also is unique in its own right. You guys are doing fun things like asking for names in the beginning yeah. and little tricks to make make it extra fun. Now you came to Austin, mm-hmm. so you, you were born here. You know, you weren't here by. A, no, I got here as soon as I could. You weren't a victim of circumstance. <laughs> but you got, so, what's one of the things that you think makes this city unique, especially when it comes to paranormal stuff? 
It is the vibrancy of the city. It's the energy of the, the city. And uh, so many people say, well, I'm gonna go look for ghosts in a graveyard. And I'll say, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, all you're really gonna pri probably find are unhappy ghosts. Because right, they're stuck. It's like, right. it's like running yeah. into a ghost at work or whatever, <laughs> you know? Yes. On the floor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I did not sign up for this. Um, but, um, but we have found that there, there are so many, there's so much underground water and ley lines coming into the city. And it's the movement of that water combined with the energy of the city and the building materials. This is limestone. Oh, there we go. Limestone, granite, uh, iron pillars in buildings. All of that creates a battery effect and it just it charges and charges and charges and creates what is called the stone tape theory. Oh, and we, we uh, that, that's actually one of our favorite things to talk about. The idea that the recording, yes, you know, that uh, somehow that stone, especially particularly limestone, mm -hmm. can record, you Absorbing know, energy and like memories, activities, yes. like grooves in a record. And then sometimes in the right, under the right conditions, the record will play itself. Yes, yeah, there's a whole 900 block of Congress Avenue, which was built by Abner Cook, and he had a brick-making factory along Shoal Creek. And all of the, uh, uh, Shoal Creek experienced a great many tragedies. Oh, right. yeah, we went there last year. Uh, Coman Creek. Yeah, yeah, Comanche Creek. attacks, and um, uh, Union soldiers who died of uh, yellow fever, and men who killed one another over a supposed stash of treasure. I think, I think Scott said he had an experience at Shoal Creek last year. Yeah, he had an EVP. Oh, really? A little, just, I forgot what it said, but yeah, he just picked up something when he, he was walking around in the creek bed. And yeah. Had something interesting yeah. up here. It said, get out. <laughs> of course, of course it did. So Abner Cook had a brick making factory along Shoal Creek, and it's believed that the mud from the bricks that was used in the buildings along that oh. 900 block still contains some of the juju from Shoal Creek. Uh, so those buildings may not have had anything traumatic or dramatic happen in them, but it's the very nature of the, the building materials that still contains the energy. Yeah, but that, that's really cool. And so Austin, a unique city, uh, sounds like a really unique ghost tour. Um, what are some places in town that maybe you've heard stories about and haven't had a chance to investigate, but you just know there's something there and you're dying? You're like, we got, we're going to find something the here. One. You know, there there is an address along Congress Avenue, 920, Suite 100. Uh, I ran into a, a couple of business guys like nine years ago, who had just opened up a business called Belvedere's Men's Spa. And they did a beautiful renovation nice. on the building. It was gorgeous. And I said, but I got to ask you, while you were working on it, did anything unusual happen? Because, you know, and they said, uh, who are you? <laughs> I said, I'm Monica. I'm yeah. from Austin Why Ghost you Tours. <laughs> and they were like, oh, hot diggity, the ghost oh. tours. Ooh. So I said, so did anything unusual happen? They said, no. Oh. No. Oh, gosh darn it, no. And about 10 minutes, we started talking about other places around Texas and other family members. And then we circled back around to, but here, no, no. Well, except the light bulbs. I said, well, what do you, what, what's unusual with the light bulbs? And they said, seems like we have to change them a lot, like every other day. And I said, that didn't strike you as unusual because plumbing and electricity are two of the easiest things for spirits to met with, mess with. And they said, oh, plumbing too? Could that be why the toilets flush by themselves? 
What? I love it. The fact that, I mean, every other day I think about that. Thinking if you're buying one of those, like, LED bulbs, whatever, they're supposed to last for 12 yeah. years, and you got to change them every day, you're out of business. Yeah, exactly. So they lasted, in that location, maybe 17 months. That was seven years ago. No one's moved into that building since. Oh, man. When an address stays empty far too long, I start becoming very suspicious about it. Yeah. Uh, place across from... Looks like that's where we're spending tonight. <laughs> place right across from the Millet Opera House, uh, now known as the Austin Club. That is a building that... It's, a, it's an office building, and there used to be a Victorian house that stood there where a man killed his wife and his two children. Strangled them, oh, chopped man. them up, and hid their bodies oh. in the cistern. And that building has not been occupied oh. in about 19 years. So did, did, did this happen a long time ago? It happened in 1895. 1895, okay. Yes, yeah, 1895. So the, yeah, sort of the golden age of Austin. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think some people would argue the that gilded, now, now... The gilded, <laughs> sorry, the gilded golden age of Austin. Uh, we're known for the servant girl murders. Uh, oh, that sounds unpleasant. Austin, Austin's first, I mean, the, America's first serial killer uh, who between... December of 1884 and all, mostly all of 1885, uh, killed nine people. He's known as the servant girl annihilator. He was never brought to justice. Uh, there was really never anyone who was arrested for these crimes. We don't even know if it was one person or whether it was, yeah, he did six murders, but then the last two or three were Copy someone cats. else, were copycats, that sort of thing. Uh, oddly enough, no hauntings connected with uh, the serial killing. And especially at a time in history when everything has a haunted, you know, associated. Like, if you look at a newspaper yes. from, like, the 19th century, like, every time it's like, oh, yeah, it's the ghost that was there. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah the people saw a weird blue light. It's just the phantom that lives there. Sometimes <laughs> he eats a dog. And you're like, can we have some elaboration? Yeah, I wish you could talk to the journalist and be right. like, fake news. Yeah, really. but, but for the servant girl thing, so it was just, were they servants of just were, all around uh, the city? Or uh, that would just yeah, there were cooks and, oh uh, and, and, and uh, in one case, it was an 11-year-old girl of uh, one of the cooks. Uh, and she, poor girl, was lobotomized. Uh, through her ear and through the temple oh. and lived like that for two hours oh my gosh. Uh, until her her mother could be revived and told of her daughter's condition and she had to give the permission for the pins to be released so her brain, her brain could bleed out and she could pass peacefully. And up until Mary, up until Mary Ramey's death, the 11-year-old. The so is Ramey the, the, the family, the streets named no, after? No, Ramey. Ramey. With a with a with an M. Ramey. Okay, like Sam yeah, Ramey. Not, yeah, yes. Uh, but up until her death, really the population said, "Oh no, no, this is happening to serving class and mixed breed and African Americans, so we don't care." And so, not very much effort was put into finding the perpetrator. It's kind of like you know what? Someone yeah. got drunk, came into town, did this deed at random. And the, left. Those and lives aren't as valuable as the higher up people, so exactly. we don't need to worry yes. about it. But then Mary's death, and that turned the tide of sentiment. And they were like, yeah, okay, it's <laughs> it's serving class, it's it's people of color, but this was an 11-year-old girl, this has got to stop. And about 800 arrests were made 
in connection with these crimes and nobody was ever brought to justice. Now we think they finally got the guy the following February in 1886 because a man got in a brawl in a bar in East Austin and he committed the one sin you should not commit. He spilled a beer? He brought a knife to a gunfight. Ah. Oops. Yeah. He started beating up on a girl. He was told to cut it out. He dragged the girl outside, started beating her up some more. Other guys came out, said, cut it out. I mean it. He drew a knife. They drew a gun. Bam. And Nathan Elgin was dead. And when they did the autopsy, they found on his left foot, he had six toes. And one detail that the police never, yeah, that's right. What do you call it? Poly, polydactyly, right? Is it? Yeah. Did he murder Aniko Montoya? <laughs> <laughs> but one detail that the police never released to the newspapers or anywhere but that was that in the many footprints that they found at the crime scene, one foot appeared to have six oh, toes. What a clue! Yeah, like that makes it so easy to find. I mean, yeah, yeah. So it, it took a UT professor like so many years of, of going through police reports and details to find this major clue and finally uh, solve one of the great unsolved mysteries of all times. Yeah, that's really, that, that's really fascinating. And the, first of all, the fact that that's like, the thing is though, if you know that the killer's got six toes, right? You don't want to just shoot that information out there because everybody with six toes is going to get killed. Yeah, I know. Everybody with five toes is like, yeah, I can kill them. <laughs> Score. <laughs> I gotta can, go kill can totally kill my wife now. Right. I've been right. thinking about because it for a while. Because they're looking for a guy with six toes. Yeah. Oh, and you know, that's just an interesting thing too because um, it's, you know, I guess I always have that sense of people with extra digits are... Uh, it was because of that TV show or whatever, like, and it was an Outer Limits episode where if they had a sixth finger, uh, yes. like that, that's how you could yeah. tell that they were the aliens and it was the sixth <laughs> finger. And so I'm like, that, I'm like, that guy's already weird. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Outcast. <laughs> right. So. So, oh man. So, but no hauntings associated particularly with the server. No, girl. no. The only weird story that I've ever heard was someone who lived at one of the killing sites. There are lofts there now. And, um... And she said, let, let me ask you, I live like on the eighth floor, and sometimes when I get out of my shower, my music box is playing. Hmm. And I said, interesting. Yeah. That's Mary Ramey's murder site, the 11-year-old girl. Wow. And I said, Ooh. think about what's happening scientifically when you're in the shower, your brain waves go down to that alpha state, right? You go from this massive beta input level here and you're at that relaxed daydreaming state yeah right you have the positive or is it or is it negative ions you know i, I always mix those up my ions are usually negative, negative especially okay. if i gotta ride in the van for several hours at okay. a time uh, so you have the bouncing of the water particles creating that that negative ion charge and so you know collectively those things with it being one of the killing sites it's kind of like i can't definitively say that that's what's going on here but I think it's interesting it's that you're interesting. having this activity and she said on the eighth floor and I said right they can like it's it's not like they can't take the stairs right. you know I mean they're they're coming from a lot farther than just you know like yeah the even the modern Omni hotel on floors five and seven has activity there where an old school used to be. You know, and what's really interesting when you just talked about the, the different states of mind is that mm -hmm. we just went into that in the podcast about music. 
uh-huh. and about how ritual dancing and, and you know people would get to these these ceremonies and these rituals and they dance and or piercings and things like that and they would uh, get in their brain waves would go into a different state and mm-hmm. that's when a paranormal experience would happen this this happens quite often uh, people at the Driscoll Hotel tell us uh, their experience happened when they were just going to bed or when they had when they were had just gotten out of the shower or when they're doing some sort of mindless task as far as the staff is concerned uh, at my church we have a haunting up there in the choir loft and she only comes around when we're singing something very difficult and singing it very well and so I always like to bring this up and say think of what's going on scientifically okay come with me now to think through this our brain waves up there in the choir loft are at a very focused performance state. The congregation is at a very worshipful state. You add the the stained glass window lighting and the smell of the incense and all of those things that add to the the reverence of the service. And that's when her energy pulls out. I can feel it about four feet away from me. But we have someone in our soprano section who can actually see her and says she's a Victorian woman dressed in a green velvet gown and she, and she loves coming by and stopping by and listening to our music. And then when we disengage, she kind of floats back to whatever dimension she was at like before. like she's piggybacking on that energy that you're exactly. creating with the whole... So, or she's just a picky ghost. You know, she's like, well, we do the easy stuff. No, but oh do, the hard, right, do, the, she, do the hard stuff and I'll come by. She, she likes the hard stuff. She likes the flowery stuff. Um, and she, <laughs> and she I, I have to say, she's a, she's a bit of a snob. Uh, if we start, you know, doing stuff surrounding Day of the Dead, you know, the Day of the Dead altar and things like that, she got very upset with that. If the congregation is talkative downstairs, she get, she's, you know, oh, oh, she's, her energy feels pointy at that point. And now, is there a name or anything associated with that? Or do people know that's like, oh, that's, that's old Mrs. Crabgrass, you know, and she loved the choir? We can't find, uh, we can't find a name. She, she's not willing to share it with us, so we just call her Our, our Lady of the Choir Loft. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's She's a lovely spirit. Cool. We don't want her to go away. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, speaking of, of lovely spirits, maybe we should walk around a little bit and see if we can find some of our own here at the moonshine all right today. sounds yes, great we should and monica thank you so much for sharing all your great stories with us and i can't wait to go on your tour and hear the full story and hear about that bride at the driscoll and all the, <laughs> the brides brides, brides. <laughs> but the Plural. specific one that you learned about i'm like dying to know what was the drama so that's um, gonna be terrible yeah it's exciting so and thanks for taking the time to talk to us it was my pleasure and thanks and you guys will be able to find the link to all that stuff at othersidepodcast.com slash 239 you find the link to austin ghost tours the link to monica book and uh, some fun photos so you can see what some of these places look like. So we came out of the Moonshine Bar and now we are standing just a little down uh, the uh, Third Street from the corner of Third and Red River. So we can see the wedding house that the, what was it, the Hofstetters? <laughs> the Hofheins. The Hofheins. The Hofheins family built for the children. <laughs> he built for his daughter on the occasion of a wedding. And so we were standing out there, and also uh, 606 3rd Street and 608 3rd Street. And so these are like pretty old buildings in the middle of the city. Yeah, the 606 is a, a dark green two-story house where you can see windows in the top, and it's got like two doors, and just it kind of looks like a little, you said it was a store, right? Uh, yes, it okay. served as a store. Yeah, so it was- 
Probably, probably servants' quarters. Kind of has that look of a little marketplace kind of thing. Yeah. And then 608 is just a very simple square, one-story, red door, blue building, nice it, little porch. It looks like it was moved from a ghost town <laughs> or something like that. So we're looking at, at, at 608 Easter. It looks like it was moved from a ghost town to the down, like this ultra-modern downtown Austin. And so these buildings are almost outliers when they're surrounded by like the Fairmont Hotels across the street. It's this beautiful all glass outside building that My looks eyes. looks like it's from 2050 like the JW Marriott looks like it's from the future and the convention center so everything around here looks ultra modern and then you have these old houses popped right in the middle and this is where they've gotten some cool evidence on the Austin Ghost Tour so we want to talk to you a little bit to see how she does investigations and get an example so that you guys know maybe how you can do an investigation and get some of the awesome evidence like Monica does <laughs> So, um, you know, they show you on cable TV that you need total darkness, that you gotta wait till 3 a.m. dead time, you know, or you need to have a lockdown and crap like that. And I always tell people, no, you don't, you don't need to do any of that. Uh, some of the most compelling evidence that I've gotten has been recorded on a Sunday afternoon parked in front of a building that I've been in before. So it's sort of like you, you go into the building and you, you introduce yourself, you establish a relationship there, and then you can come back at any time. And just so long as you identify yourself, hey, hey, remember me? I came and talked to you before. And, and when you, you go, go to the building, building it's not like you have to go in the middle of the night, night or sneak, it's, it's gotta be a full moon or something yeah, like no, that. You don't you even have to need to go inside. Like a white robe. Yeah, exactly. There needs to be no blood sacrifice ahead of time or like that can add a little bit sprinkling for of blood. Yeah, for fun. No, nothing, nothing like that on the doorpost. Nothing like that. Uh, I, I know, for instance, there was a building along uh, 7th and Congress where we were asked to investigate. We got some really compelling evidence. And I felt like the, the spirits there were old but new to communicating. So I came back about two weeks later on a Sunday and revved up the shack hack that we discussed right. before. We started a recording on my iPhone. And... I readily admit the game I played with them, I stole from Ghost Hunters. It's the one, two, three game. I say one and two, I expect them to say three. And I added two and a half, lost a little faith, but they, but they very loudly said three. And I was so astonished. I said, that was amazing. And a female voice comes back at the end and says, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so very nonchalantly. Agreed. So the next Saturday, I decided to try the same game right here along 3rd Street where we had been chatting with the ghosts for quite some time. They played the game in exactly the same way. I explained it to them. I said, you want to play? They tell me, start. I say one and two. They say three. And when I tell them that was amazing, they stopped the radio from scanning on a sports station with a cheering crowd and an excited announcer. Then they start the radio again and a female voice comes back at the end and says, yes. Wow. Just to close the same damn conversation in two different parts of town. And sometimes when you go out looking for answers, all you come back with are just more questions. Right, yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's extraordinary. So you, you, there was one location where we investigated where we couldn't turn out the lights. They, it, was a, it was a restaurant and the fluorescent light stayed on the whole time. We got every sort of evidence possible. Audio, phantom aromas, 
people getting Dude, scratched. On our investigations, the phantom aroma is usually me. <laughs> I wouldn't describe it as an aroma. <laughs> Maybe more of a... Uh, Ooh, like, uh, it, it, a pungent... Did a, a, a demon just crap his pants around here? So, yeah, what, how we do things a little differently, we like to dispel a lot of the hyped drama that they show on the cable shows, that you just don't need it in order to have stuff happen. That, that they're there in another dimension, ready to interact, provided that you're respectful and that you don't treat them like some sort of dog and pony show. So let's take, for example, how, so we have some equipment here. Yes. And so how would you, how do you go around when you do investigations? Uh, what would be an example? So like, so the equipment we have here, I've got a, um, the ghost meter. Yes. Capital T. The. The actual ghost meter. Yeah. And then there's also a K2, K2 EMF meter. meter. Yes, and they're interacting with one, they're, with one they're another. They're looking at each other. They're like, hey, uh, <laughs> hey. how you doing, buddy? Hey. Okay. <laughs> and then we got a spirit box, which is like the shack hack she was talking about. And then uh, if we feel any cold spots, we can see if there's an actual cold spot change. So usually when you do an interaction with a, uh, or, or do an investigation, um, how do you do it? What we'll usually do is do a bunch of research before we get to the site. We will uh, get to the site and tell what we know. So we just sort of sit in the space and we speak aloud what it is that we know about the building and the people who uh, lived in the building and perhaps died in the building. Uh, we make no conjecture as to who's there or why they're there or anything like that. We'll do a walk around uh, the property and, and just get a general feel, do some base readings uh, for the K2 meters. Uh, and, and if we get anything anomalous, we'll see, okay, well, is that, is that near a fuse box or something like that? We'll try to uh, immediately dispel things that are not of the paranormal ilk. And then we'll, we'll choose a room and we'll just sort of tell the stories again. And, and uh, mainly, rather than talking to them directly, we'll wait and see if they interact with us, either through uh, lights on the meters or uh, through any sort of actual audio that, okay. we're, that we're hearing or things getting moved around or knocking or anything like that. So we'll do those sorts of things first and then we'll go into a shack hack session, uh, try that, and then a silent EVP session. So we'll, we'll ask the same questions numerous ways depending upon how they want to interact with us. Okay, uh, sure. Yeah. And, um, and, and we'll, we're willing to do this any time of day. We, the reason that I think most people uh, like to do these investigations at night, maybe not in the middle of the night, because <laughs> <laughs> right. we got day jobs and that kind of thing, but certainly at night is not so much because there's more activity from them, but there's less interference from the outside world. Right, right. Okay. So there's, right, there's no train sounds. There's, there's no like there's fewer, fewer. <laughs> yeah, this is not. Okay. So there's, there's no train sounds. Right. There's no bar sounds. Uh, you know things like that. It's just easier because night and, is quiet. And there's not as much beta brain waves. Sure. Brainwave action going well, on. Well, I mean, as I've well. been, we've been to South by Southwest a lot of times, and I wouldn't say there's a lot of brainwave action anyway. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you get the drift of of yeah. you know. Late at night, there, there is less activity, the world is quieter, and it heightens our senses more than it helps them on the other side. There's just not as much interference 
and they have a cleaner frequency in order to come through. Sure. So, for example, so we're on uh, Third Street here. Now we're in front of the blockchain house. And I don't know if blockchain means haunted. Um, haunted cryptocurrency. <laughs> like the price of your cryptocurrency might be haunted uh, depending on uh, when you bought it. But so, like down this street. So any. So would you tell a story in front of the wedding house and then? No, because that guy's crazy. Uh, and sometimes the living scare me more than oh, yeah. the oh, other yeah, side. The uh, but certainly, certainly this house and this house. We, what we have found that Austin goes towards is that many times when a building returns to something that it once was before, uh, a store, a bank, uh, uh, that sort of thing, that very often paranormal activity in that building will spike. So we knew companies that had been in this little two duplex house here for many years, PR firms, accounting firms, nothing ever happened. A store moves in, bam, they get full-bodied apparitions of people walking in the door and walking around the place. And we're kind of like, whoa, 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 what the hell is going on there? And then we go into a little bit of research, and sure enough, we find that in the 1960s, it was the same kind of store. Mm. A bunch of artists who got together and said, let's rent the downstairs of this house, and two upstairs lived two brothers, and uh, one of the brothers, Curly, naturally, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was bipolar. He became depressed one night and hanged himself Aww. in the upstairs room there. And as soon as Cypress Vanguard store moved in, he resonated with that energy and started walking around the store again. This place right here, numerous businesses operated there as well. Originally, this building was in front of the Capitol. And it was where they kept the plans and the payroll for when they built the Texas State Capitol. And then uh, when the capital was completed, they put it on a railway, railway car, moved it to this side of town. Uh, Recently, just some So past, it was like the world's first mobile home. <laughs> Recently, uh, they had some activity in there again. It was because they were, it was where they were keeping the plans and payroll for the Fairmont Hotel building project. It's just across uh, the street over there. So, so because it was similar, because it was used in similar like architectural plans and things like that, yes. the ghosts seemed to be like, hey, I know about that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Oh, I remember this. I remember when the when we were doing this before, and so they resonate with it, and they and they they bump around, and they just create more activity. And we have found that in numerous places in downtown Austin, uh, in, and that's sort of like one of the first clues. It's like, oh, you got haunted activity, and you never really had it before. What kind of business are you in? Okay, now we know what to look for, and we know was it ever that before, and. Nine times out of ten, it's exactly what we find. Hmm. Well, okay, so now we're talking about the ghost stories and the weird things that happened here. What would be the next thing you would do then on an investigation? Would you be like, okay, so we'll grab out our ghost meters and say like, <laughs> hey, what's up? You know? Yeah, we'll set we'll set an, uh, a K two meter at opposite ends of the room or something like that, and say, you know, hey, there's 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 a, a device here, and if you get close to it, you might be able to light it up. That sort of thing. Um, we. We've never had much luck with the flashlight oh. thing that some people where, do. Right, because the flashlight thing is where they turn the, like they take a mag flashlight right. that where you, you twist mm -hmm. the bulb on the mag flashlight to try to like make it almost on. Mm -hmm. And so you keep it in that state between almost on and almost off. And then you ask a question and maybe the flashlight turns on for yes or, you know, yeah. blink, blink twice for yes. Yeah. Or uh, and I've always had tremendous success with just silent EVP sessions of going back through audio 
particularly when we're just talking amongst ourselves and Ooh, that sort of thing. We might have some here. Yes, That's right. That's exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly, you know, some of the some of the stuff that I sent you regarding the antique store in Buda and also at the Paramount Theater. <laughs> that was kind of a weird experience where I found that they were giving a tour on a Saturday morning. And I so I got some other people from the ghost tours and said, let's take a tour of the Paramount. There was no tour. I saw it on the website, and by the time we got there and we encountered the, the building manager, I, I said, what, what time is your 10 o'clock tour, really? Because, you know, it's like 10.30, and we've been waiting out in the hot sun. And he goes, we don't give tours. I said, it's on your website. He called up the website, and it was gone. Ah. And he said, you know what? You've been standing out there for a while. Let me give you a tour. He gave us a private tour, and I got all kinds of audio cool. evidence. We were invited yeah, into that building. Yeah, you got summoned there. <laughs> we got summoned there big time. And I played this evidence for the building manager, and he was like, oh, my God, it's not like one of those shows where they have to put the caption underneath. You can understand everything. And it was all good, and it was all positive. Cool. Every, every conversation that we had, you know, was, oh, that guy's a gentleman, you know, and... Um, not uh, things like like movies nowadays suck. Right, no, you know, and ghosts apologizing violence. for scaring people and uh -huh. or, star or startling people and that sort of thing. And I said, this is all good. This is all we were we were invited there so that we could share this evidence with you and let you know that anything that's here loves being here. Okay. And there there's just so it's so gratifying to be in this kind of business. Mm -hmm where you can tell people the real story about what hauntings are and what they aren't. Absolutely, absolutely, that, that's awesome. And uh, so you, you start you start with the K2, mm -hmm. and then you might move on to the, the shack hack yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, we just kind of shake it up. It's kind of like, yeah, well, they hate the, a, they hate the AM, AM band. Let's try FM. Well, they really hate the FM band. You know what? I think they just hate the shack hack. A lot of times, older spirits don't like that noise, that interference. So we just stick to the silent EVP stuff and they seem satisfied with that. And sometimes it takes several trips back sure. to a location for them to get comfortable with you saying, okay, well, I'm gonna open up to you now because you, you wanna tell our story. And that's what we'll communicate to them is we're here to find out the truth. We wanna tell your real truth. So if you have a story to tell, let us know you're here and let us know you mean no one any harm or that you want something done or Give us your side. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that, that, that's perfect. So, uh, where can, once again, where can people find you and direct links to taking a tour with you? And reading your book. Ah, uh, so AustinGhostTours.com is uh, Austin Ghost Tours website. And uh, you can find my book, True Haunted Tales of the Driscoll Hotel, on Amazon.com. Or right after my tour, I'll be glad to sign you a copy and send hey. you on your way. Absolutely. Fantastic. Fantastic. Perfect. That sounds great. Thank yeah, you so awesome. much. Thanks for coming. We really had a great time talking with Monica while we were in Austin, and I also enjoyed reading her book, True Haunted Tales of the Driscoll Hotel, during our extensive 20-plus hour drive from Austin back to Madison, Wisconsin. One of the stories in the book is about a musician who stayed at the Driscoll Hotel. The singer for Concrete Blonde, Jeanette Napolitano apparently had her own ghostly experience while she was there. And it wasn't just any ghost. It was a flirty ghost. 
So that encounter inspired the song Ghost of a Texas Ladies Man. Since we're touring musicians ourselves and have spent plenty of time in old, possibly haunted hotels, we couldn't resist the opportunity to do our own version of the song. So the song for this week is Sunspot's take on the Concrete Blonde song, Ghost of a Texas Ladies Man. And you'll be able to find that in the show notes page at othersidepodcast.com slash 239. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time. See you on the other side. I'd like to extend a huge thanks to our Patreon community who makes it possible for us to continue putting out new episodes, interviewing people, visiting haunted locations, writing and recording new songs, and learning more about paranormal topics. Thank you so much for your support and for all of your ideas that you chip in and the fun stories that you share with us during our hangouts. You're wonderful. If you'd like to join that community, you can do that at othersidepodcast.com slash donate for as little as, well, as little as you want. It's your choice. Any little bit helps, and we'd love to have you as part of the community. And an extra special shout out to Dr. Ned, who is one of our Patreon members, supporting at a level where he gets this special shout out every episode. And we truly do appreciate it, Ned. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll be back with more weirdness next week. Jazz hands. That was good.